0: I want to talk to you this morning about what I consider to be another essential theme in a Course in Miracles, one that I believe that must be understood if we are to understand a Course in Miracles and other related teachings. The first theme that I mentioned several Sundays ago. ...was that everything that we see is a projection. And that is why forgiveness is our way home. Whatever rankles us in another person... ...has to have value for us... ...in order for us to be reacting to it. And so our so-called enemies... ...perform this wonderful service... ...of pushing this string of buttons... That goes down our chest and the interesting thing is that some of the buttons receive no response we have no reaction and others have a response (coughs) showing that there are things that we have to a large extent let go of and there are a few things that we haven't (coughs) so notice that you do not respond equally to all criticisms. Some you laugh off very easily. Some just seems so irrelevant that you don't even give it a passing thought. So this wonderful service simply indicates to us those aspects of our ego that that we still cherish. The clutch points in our life. So that's why forgiveness is our way home. That's why forgiveness is the key to salvation. Because we, we own our projections. We say, I wouldn't be reacting to this if this didn't have value to me. Therefore, it's not the other person's fault. I am not a victim. And by forgiving, which in the Greek means to let go, By forgiving or letting it go, by releasing it, we then let go of that aspect of our ego that we valued, that we cherished. So the process by which we move forward is so simple. The world is a mirror. Try smiling at it. (laughs) That's, That's the way home. That's how simple it is. When the world is frowning at us, it means that we have, whether we know it or not, an inward darkness that's being reflected outward. So we've talked about that before. And here is another theme in A Course in Miracles that I think is extremely important. And it is something that I think is if possible, even more widely misunderstood in traditional Christianity than the first theme. Because the first theme is misunderstood on the basis of, as Bill Thetford says, bring in the son of a bitch so I can forgive him. (laughs) That's the way we usually do it. know. (laughs) This holier-than-thou, you know, I will forgive you. We even sometimes tell people that we forgive them.
1: <laughs>
0: and who has ever danced a little jig of joy after we've said that?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so the first mistake about forgiveness is that there is something to forgive. That it's not our own doing that this individual indeed has done something that justifies our outrage. But we will forgive them anyway and move even a notch higher than they are because we were already one notch higher and now we're going to move another notch higher by forgiving them. So, of course, in miracles says this is Forgiveness with the intent to murder. (laughs) Whereas true forgiveness is this is not worth thinking about. We all do the best we can. And we see that we all do the best we can. And we see that it's impossible for anyone to make a mistake by himself. We have to cooperate in someone else's mistake or it won't feel like a mistake to us. Seeing that, you simply let go of it and thereby take a step forward. Now the second theme in A Course in Miracles, and possibly I should read the lesson uh, today and so we so I can so we can see the exact words in which it's stated. <laughs> As I've said so many times, these lessons are so rich, although we're only talking about sometimes a page and a half or two pages. They are so rich that all I can do is really just pull out one or two thoughts for us to discuss. Let me read this to you. This is another very short one. This is the beginning of chapter two, entitled The Separation and the Atonement. And the first section is entitled the origins of separation so let me read this to you to extend is a fundamental aspect of god which he gave to his son now in a course in miracles all the terminology of course is traditional christian terminology so it's all masculine son simply is another word for creation or the extension of god Obviously, God does not have gender, so this is not referring to gender. This is just a this is just the particular language in which these ideas came. In the creation, God extended himself to his creations and imbued them with the same loving will to create. You have not only been fully created, but have also been created perfect there is no emptiness in you because of your likeness to your creator you are creative no child of God can lose his ability because it is inherent in what he is but he can use it inappropriately by projecting so this is the first thing that we're talking about <coughs> how we take our innate ability to create our extend. Extend love. And instead of extending love, we project <coughs> guilt. And that, of course, the Miracle says, is how this whole world came into being, as the ego perceives it. It is merely an outpicturing of an unforgiving mind. The inappropriate use of extension or projection occurs when you believe that some emptiness or lack exists in you and that you can fill it with your own ideas instead of truth and we've talked about that we've talked about that in a in a sort of a practical daily event after event manner in which we turn to things that do not have the capacity to bring us peace that do not have the capacity to satisfy us and yet if you leave it at that statement if you simply say notice what you usually turn to for comfort and see if you cannot turn to something that's more satisfying very often people will get caught up in a struggle against their body a struggle against the needs that they are feeling or the events of their lives and that's why the The second point that we will get to today is so essential because struggle and pain and sacrifice have absolutely nothing to do with our way home. This process involves the following steps. This process whereby instead of filling this perceived hole in ourselves with truth, we fill it with fantasy. It involves these four steps first you believe that what god created can be changed by your own mind second you believe that what is perfect can be rendered imperfect or lacking third you believe that you can distort the creations of god including yourself Fourth, you believe that you can create yourself and that the direction of your own creation is up to you. So we we literally think that we make ourselves. These related distortions represent a picture of what actually occurred in the separation or the detour into fear. None of this existed before the separation, nor does it actually exist now. Everything God created is like him extension as undertaken by god is similar to the inner radiance that the children of the father inherit from him so there's nothing uh, magical magical preternatural about extension whenever we feel whenever we feel filled with light filled with love we are extending ourselves and notice this is what we call an inner experience Although, of course, this doesn't mean inside the body. This means that our being is wrapped around it. Our being is wrapped around this extension of love. And so as we extend our love, we extend our being. So we are actually extending our love to ourself, which goes before it and lays a path upon which it can rest. And this is one of the opposites from the world that when we give to another, we literally lay ourselves out before the gift and receive it. So, of course, there is no such thing as burnout. When true love is extended, only strength is received. When we are gentle, our entire being, our mind, and even, apparently, every muscle in our body, Is gentilized along with that gift whereas if you have a million dollars and you give one dollar to someone else you have one dollar less do you really want to give that dollar away you will have one dollar less think of it one dollar less if you give that away And indeed the ego says, think of it, think of it, think of it. (laughs) This is as true of the Son as of the Father. In this sense, the creation includes both the creation of the Son by God and the Son's creations when his mind is healed. This requires God's endowment of the Son with free will. Free. Free will. (coughs) Because all loving creation is freely given in one continuous line in which all aspects are of the same order. The Garden of Eden or the (coughs) pre-separation condition Was a state of mind in which nothing was needed. That's all we're returning to. We don't need to be afraid of thoughts stated in A Course in Miracles that indicate to us that that true being is formless, that in true being there is no perception. All that really means is we are returning to a state in which nothing is needed. But terms like formlessness and no perception are extremely fearful to the ego, which thinks that everything is contained in form and the perception of form. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a minute. When Adam listened to the lies of the serpent, All he heard was untruth. Do you know how you know that a vampire is a vampire? Because he is not in the mirror. He's not in the mirror. What are we afraid of? He's not even there. And if a little child were to see a vampire, he would not see anything because he's not there. That's why he's not in the mirror. And all that Adam heard was untruth. You do not have to continue to believe what is not true unless you choose to do so. All that can literally disappear, all that can literally disappear in the twinkling of an eye because it is merely a misperception. There are some marvelous phrases that we have in our language. And there is no more marvelous phrase than the twinkling of an eye. That's when it all disappears. When the eye twinkles. That is the key to happiness, is to twinkle your eye. <laughs> What is seen in dreams seems to be very real. Yet the Bible says that a deep sleep fell upon Adam. And nowhere is there reference to his waking up.
1: <laughs>
0: the world has not yet experienced any comprehensive reawaking or rebirth since a rebirth is impossible as long as you continue to project or miscreate. (coughs) It still remains within you, however, to extend as God extended his spirit to you. In reality, this is your only choice, because your free will was given you for your joy in creating the perfect all fear is ultimately reducible to the basic misperception that you have the ability to usurp the power of God. Of course, you neither can nor have been able to do this. Here is the real basis for your escape from fear. The escape is brought about by your accepting the atonement, which enables you to realize that your errors never really occurred. Only after the deep sleep fell upon Adam could he experience nightmares. If a light is suddenly turned on while someone is dreaming a fearful dream, he may initially interpret the light itself as part of his dream and be afraid of it. However, when he awakens, the light is correctly perceived as the release from the dream. Which is then no longer a carded reality. This release does not depend on illusions. <coughs> the knowledge. That illuminates. Not only sets you free. But also shows you clearly. That you are free. Whatever lies you may believe. Or are of no concern to the miracle which can heal any of them with equal ease. It makes no distinctions among misperceptions. Its sole concern is to distinguish between truth on the one hand and error on the other. Some miracles may seem to be of greater magnitude than others, but remember the first principle of this course. There is no order of difficulty in miracles. In reality, you are perfectly unaffected by all expressions of lack of love. These can be from yourself and others, from yourself to others, or from others to you. Peace is an attribute in you. You cannot find it outside. Illness is some form of external searching health is inner peace those two sentences were the the basis upon which the found the uh, Center for Attitudinal Healing was lodged illness is some form of external searching any form of external searching is illness health is inner peace it enables you to remain unshaken by a lack of love from without and capable through your acceptance of miracles of correcting the conditions proceeding from lack of love in others so let's talk about a couple of points that's raised here and and we'll get into this the second key principle of A Course in Miracles as I see it. Let me go over briefly the story of how all of this happened, which is told in time and therefore is inaccurate because there is no time. But since we understand all things in time, the story is told to us in time. So God, this magnificent gentleness, this great splendor that's, that filled all space in all time, out of his abundant, abundant love, extended himself in joy. And that extension that expansion we call the Son of God in Christianity. That was God's extension, the Son of God. And God said to His Son, which He didn't do because you don't need the word. Use words where all is love, but to put this in a story form. God said, all that I am, you are. Extend yourself in joy. Of course, you don't have to. But it would please you and it will please me so much to do so. And God said, I don't have to. And he asked the insane question. Is there more than everything? And the instant that he asked that question, he delved into the part of his mind that Genesis says was a void. It was a darkness. It was a nothingness. And out of this nothingness, He had to ask the question, is there more than everything? What could you turn to for the answer? But nothingness. And out of nothingness, he made nothing. He made illusions. And so this whole world began as the ego sees it. As miscreation or projection. What value does attack have Asked the son of God? Now because there was really no time all of this happened the course and miracle says in less than a second it happened in an instant. And it was answered in the same instant. So God seeing the mistake that his son had made created a counter dream or dream of Christ or forgiveness. So he he turned everything that his son had made into a blessing. In exactly the same form, he made the blessing. And so, his son did what would have happened anyway. He extended himself. But he extended himself within the realm of illusion. He would have extended himself anyway, But he had just asked this insane question. Does attack have any value? And so in the answer, he extends himself. And now instead of there being one child of God, there are many children of God. All equally loved. All with the same potential to be one with God and have everything that God has. But now this is done in the realm of illusion. And seeing this nightmare, he is horrified. And says, I couldn't have done this. This is too awful. The serpent made me do it. And so there you have the first projection. The first indication of the ego. The serpent did it. The serpent said lies and so forth. And so now begins the the ego. Now the way the thing is set up is that uh, the children of God think that they are now creating; that they're now little gods. And so they have a few beers and make love, and they create. And uh, because of this wonderful thing that alcohol does or uh, too many chocolates or stuffed chicken or whatever happens some night, the whole creation process begins. And out comes little versions of ourselves that grow for nine months. But the way that we have we have uh, set the whole thing up they're they're supposed to come into the world as a new creation, you see. This is the way we set it up. So what we have here is we have little versions of ourselves with the tabla rasa. We have the blank mind, the, the clean slate. Aha, you see. Now what happens is, as the world proceeds And as the children of God in illusion miscreate themselves over and over, which would have happened anyway, which happened anyway in truth. Some of these children didn't go along with the insanity. These were branded as crazy people, but they take a look at the world And they say, wait just a minute, this is crazy. Why does value come from the fact that other people suffer more than we do? Why should that be the basis of our gratitude? You have created a a crazy world here. And we see this generation after generation. So obvious, the love children of the 60s look around and say, it's interesting about the love children of the 60s. It was all right to do anything. The diggers went around uh, in San Francisco singing songs that it was all right to be a businessman or a banker. It was later that this got into some sort of a war. But that wasn't the original thought of the love children. It was do your own thing. Whatever that is. If it makes you happy, do it. Now this was simply young people seeing the craziness of this world. Now, as the story goes, and this is just a story, the original Son of God, the first expansion of his love, seeing the mistake that had been made, died physically and came back into the world. So Adam, if you will. Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. Adam, if you want to call the original son Adam, goes back into the dream. He dies, Mm -hmm. and he goes back into the dream. God sends his son back into the dream. And that's all that the story of Jesus is, is simply the coming back of the original son which is now one of the sons of God. And as clearly and as dramatically as he possibly can, he sets up a situation to show us that all the horrors that we believe in are nothing at all. Let your friends desert you. Let the courts convict you. Let the body be ripped. Be pierced. Be humiliated. It makes no difference let the body itself be destroyed. A Course in Miracles, which is written in the first person, clearly Jesus referring to his life over and over. The Course in Miracles says, even the destruction of the body does not justify anger. And so he allowed his body to be destroyed. And did not become angry. And this gentle dispensation. Continues and continues and continues. And A Course in the Miracles is just one of thousands. Of comings. Thousands of. Of the light being turned on as we read in here. During the nightmares. Being perceived oh so fearfully. And how fearfully we perceived the crucifixion. And all that happened. Think of all the tens of thousands of people that bloody this earth, the carcasses buried everywhere in the name of the crucifixion. How fearfully we perceive that coming of the light. So that is a story of the separation. Very, very faulty because it includes time and space and all kinds of things. Names, why do you need to have names when all is known to God? You see? So that brings us up to uh, 1982, and here we are with uh, the books, the bookstores just jammed with truth. We have prayer meetings and we have every kind of seminar and every kind of uh, therapy. The truth is coming to us from so many directions that it is very difficult indeed to miss it any longer. (laughs) And it is this second principle of truth that I wanted to talk about this morning and I think is so important because this I believe is one of the basic errors still very widespread in this part of the world's version of the truth and that is that truth comes to us so that we can make our lives work That the purpose of prayer is to change our lives so that we like them better. That the purpose of prayer and truth and meditation and practicing the presence of God is to save marriages or to get people to rise out of their wheelchairs. Or to put an extra car in the garage. (coughs) Or to stabilize our
1: adobes.
0: (laughs) Or to get where we can eat green chili like everyone else. (laughs) People actually pray about these things. But truth, the coming of truth, has nothing to do with the perfecting of this world. And so, when we talked earlier about how we can begin throwing off the restraints, the chains that we have wrapped ourselves in, and I talked about very gently looking at the ruts that we've all gotten into in our lives, looking at the clock to tell us what to do instead of, To this voice of peace within us. Looking to the body. To give us the deep peaceful satisfaction. That we seek. seek. Certainly. The purpose. Of those words is not. To create one more war. So very. As bluntly as I can state it. Let me. Tell you what I perceive to be this second fundamental principle that seems to be so eloquently stated in the Course by Joel Goldsmith and a thousand other people. When you get sick, do not be anything but sick, don't try to be anything but sick. When you become depressed, be depressed. Let the ego hate in peace. Let the ego be sick in peace. Let the ego have an ego attack in peace. Do not misuse prayer To try to change anything in this world. Not even depression, or anger, or sickness. Because we are not attempting to perfect this nightmare. Adam fell asleep. He dreamed a very gruesome dream. And turn on the television at five in the evening, or open any paper if you want to see just how gruesome a dream this is, and is this what we want to perfect? Is this what we want to save? This bloodbath? The coming of the truth simply says, it is all a dream. Please, just roll merrily down this dream. And lose interest in it. And you will wake to the kingdom of heaven. And the ego says, Ah, yes. I understand what you're saying. I can take these words and and build a patio that's twice as big as my neighbor's. It will give me the money that I need to do that. So, we go through life Gently, the truth says it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. Your marriage is breaking up, it doesn't matter. Your body has the flu, it doesn't matter. But people on a spiritual path have this great conspiracy that they perpetrate. Notice, whenever you get two or three people gathered together on a spiritual path, they will start telling stories of how the truth made their lives work, how it, it worked out this particular problem. We do this all the time and wonder why we have this vague sense of guilt. Because there are what we are not telling all the times that we prayed and it didn't happen. We're just picking out the few times that it seemed to work, that we, we that we brought about a change in the appearance.
1: <clears throat>
0: so the next time that you're sick, let's say there's this, there seems to be flu going around Santa Fe at this time. Let's take the flu. All right. You've got the flu. What have you got? You've got uh, your nose is congested your your throat is uh itchy you've got a headache but, uh, whatever it is it goes on and on we won't get to the lower extremities of the body this morning <laughs> but, uh, all the things so what do you do do you really just want to heal your body and continue on as a body believing that you're a body Are you willing to settle for so little as that? Just ask your nose. Listen to your nose and ask it what it would like. Just ask it what it would like. Let the nose drain in peace. (laughs) This doesn't have to be a war. Listen to your throat. Ask it what would make it better. What will make you more comfortable, throat? And do whatever you need to do to make it comfortable. If your body is hungry, feed it. So this is an entirely different perception of the body. We're not trying to perfect the body. We're trying to allow the body to go on its merry way in peace. So that we can lift our mind to heaven. Leave the world of death, the Course in the miracle says. And quietly return to heaven. That is all that we're doing. So now the the body is like this wonderful old dog that we've had since we were a child, and and we still have it in our marriage. Here's this wonderful old dog, and and it's got a little touch of arthritis now. And it wakes up in the morning, and it's a little grumpy. You see, and the whole family knows this. That. Uh, Fido is grumpy in the morning, and so what we do is we just, you know, we let him wake up and let him be grumpy. Don't try to change his attitude. We don't don't ask uh, deep, meaningful, philosophical questions as to why do I have a grumpy dog in my life? What am I doing wrong? And rake ourselves over and over about this, you see. Some huge, uh, huge spiritual mistake. We don't do that. He's just grumpy. He's got a little touch of arthritis. All right now. Also, he's an old dog. He likes to go to sleep
1: pretty early at night. So
0: we've got some guests over, and they think he's just a wonderful dog, and they would like to pet him. And so the whole family says, "No, it's time for him to go to bed now. Just let him go to sleep. It's, it's much better if you just do that." So everybody just lets him go to sleep. And what have you done? You've got a little old blanket there. You have put there in the corner, Fido sleeps on the old blanket and you make his life peaceful as peaceful as you can notice what you do not do you do not go into the refrigerator you do not fall out every piece of meat that you have and lay it all around Fido (laughs) you do not say to Fido oh An old blanket, Fido. You have been my my friend since boyhood. Sleep in the king-size bed. I'll sleep on the couch. We don't do that. This isn't a matter of indulging the body. This is a matter of letting the body be at peace. So we simply meet the needs of the body without any emphasis on them whatsoever. Why? So that the mind can be lifted from the bodily level. Because the stage in which we are all in now is that we identify with the body so intensely that every moment of the day revolves around what's happening to our body.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: is somebody not talking to our body? <laughs>
1: you know?
0: And is the body dressed right? And, and and are there a few inches around this part of the body? Uh or is did the, the strap did the strap come loose? Have you seen people spend all evenings checking the strap? <laughs> and letting the body be at peace, and to the world this great paradox occurs. There's a healing. You're not fighting the body. You're not saying, why am I sick? Uh, I heard, overheard a conversation recently between two people on a spiritual path at an airport. Uh, person A's bag was lost. He was on a spiritual path. He turned, he per- turned to person B. He said, what does this mean? person b says it doesn't mean anything because it's not real that was the answer it has no meaning that's all we're learning there's nothing it doesn't mean anything it doesn't mean anything that you got sick it doesn't mean anything that you're not getting along with his friend and try to solve it on that level and you're just, just like putting out brush fires. The field is going to get have more and more little fires and pretty soon the whole thing is just going to be in flames. Draw back from the whole thing and let it be at peace. And a miracle occurs. There are dramatic changes. But you're, you don't care. Yes, you're healed. But you say, Oh, I'm healed. Oh, and you go on.
1: <laughs> I mean
0: you don't say, Oh, I'm healed, and you go telling everybody that you're healed and make a whole formula and start giving seminars on this and everything like that. <laughs> <laughs> you just Oh, I'm healed. So that's, I don't you know I don't have the flu anymore. That's interesting. You go on about your day. Because that isn't what that's not the purpose of life. So the way the ego looks at the body is it thinks that behavior of the body is all important and from the standpoint of the ego what we what the ego thinks is going on because the ego knows something else is going on it doesn't know god it doesn't know truth but it knows something's happening because you're acting very peculiar and you're forgetting all the lessons that it has taught you now that you're on this spiritual path and you're letting clerks and stores get away with murder now you didn't used to do that it knows something's going on out there. So here's what it tells you is actually happening. Because it hears you use the word Holy Spirit, which it tells you is just the craziest word it's ever heard in its life. Holy Spirit. A little better than Holy Ghost, it says, but not much. It thinks that the Holy Spirit, that this gentle outpouring from the heart of god that go by goes by so many names is in a struggle with it for the behavior of the body now that's what it that's the line that it feeds us so it thinks that there's a big war going on as to whether or not you're going to be irritable or whether you're going to gossip or whether you're going to take a hot bath or whether you're going to sit in front of the TV and eat chocolates. And it says, yes, you're on a spiritual path, therefore, you should not sit in front of the TV and eat chocolates. Mm -hmm. And if you do, then uh, the the ego has won. Because the ego uses the word ego. It doesn't even know it's talking about itself. (laughs) So it thinks, this is what this this crazy part of our mind thinks is happening. It really thinks that God is battling for our behavior. As if it made any difference whether we took aspirin. Is it really any more holy to use an imagery than it is to use aspirin? Now, in what sense is this more divine or spiritual? But an interesting thing happens, this this paradox again. Now we've left the body alone. The body's just Fido. The body is just like the little beetle beetle that we see walking across the floor. That's interesting, isn't that interesting? That little beetle's huh? That's that's what the body is. Oh, fancy. Or or the, we look up at the sky and we see the movement of the clouds. We have, it's interesting, isn't that? That's interesting how the clouds are doing this. But there's no big attachment. We don't start picking out a... Cloud and yelling at it and say, Don't you move in that direction? By God, don't you understand what life is all about? We don't do that. <laughs> we don't curse winter and say, Why are you stripping all of our beautiful trees of leaves? Why are you devastating our fields of green? We don't do that to the seasons. This is a change of season. Here, this now, now there's snow and there's whatever there is. And so the same thing with the body. And so now the body can be the body in peace. It isn't. God didn't make it. It's not what we are. It's just part of this dream. It's just the thing in the dream we've identified with. We let it be in peace, because why? We don't want to dream anymore. We want to wake to reality. We want to see the love of God all around us. We want to experience real communication with all these lovely children of God that people our lives. We're not interested in perfecting this nightmare. So here's the paradox. To the ego, it's a paradox. One day you wake up and you say, Oh, my body isn't masturbating anymore. Oh, my body isn't getting sick anymore. Oh. My body isn't smoking anymore, oh, my body isn't uh, gossiping anymore Oh, uh, my body loves little animals and takes freely of what they have to offer and uh doesn't think it's natural to eat them. <laughs> I love little animals and I I take freely of all they have to give to me, but uh, maybe it isn't natural to eat them. I see my body isn't doing that anymore. Now, that is quite different than deciding to be a vegetarian, deciding not to indulge in uh, physical pleasure, deciding not to smoke, deciding not to use medicine. This is a war. This is ego. This is not healing. Where is the peace? Where is the naturalness? Where is the love of God? Where is the beauty? Where is the gentleness? And these decisions that create these battlegrounds in our lives. And so if we see that the body feels like it needs a cigarette, we give it a cigarette. It doesn't matter. This doesn't have to be a something that consumes our, our life. And then... The paradox is that it is as if the Holy Spirit possesses the body. That's the paradox. So that the very thing that the ego thought was going on, in another sense, happens. It's as if the Holy Spirit now possesses the body. And it is just a communicating device to make people happy. And now the body is just used to make people happy. So we don't dress to make other people, our own sex, unhappy. We don't dress to make other people out there feel a great longing for us. We just find we're not interested in dressing that way. Not because of some puritanical decision that we make, but we just notice one day that we're not dressing to kill. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's all but that's quite different than railing against our spouse because they have put some adornment on their body what difference does it make and because of a course in miracles speaks of adorning the body i noticed that a lot of course in miracles students get hung up on this business of thinking that now you're supposed to strip the body of everything It was just simply pointing out one of the many, many things that the ego does, that it honors the body. And in no way does it honor it more than in its tales of great illnesses. Just notice that where you get two or three people gathered together who aren't on a spiritual path, then the tales of great illnesses will come up. This is one of the loves of the ego. How are we going to expect to put this aside, when this is one of the central loves of the ego, illness, every form of it, just walk into any drugstore and see how preoccupied we are with this, and all the signs and, and everything all over it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We don't have to get in a battle with this. And so as we let the body, do whatever it does in peace then we see it's alright to feel it's alright to smell there's nothing wrong with sex it's alright to eat it's alright to sing and let me guide you in a little imagery here and let's just see if we can look at this in another way let me ask you to get comfortable if you have something in your lap you may want to Take it out. But it's not more spiritual to take it out.
1: <laughs>
0: if you want to turn your hands up, you can do that. It's not more spiritual to do that. But if you like the symbolism, that's fine. You can do that. Okay. Close your eyes. And... Uh, Pretend that you are a new-age astronaut. You're a different genre of astronaut now. You don't need a space capsule. You are an astral astronaut. We've now perfected this. This is the year 2000, and so now we can just gently leave our bodies... And as if you were an astronaut and you're going to start rising above this room and this little town of Santa Fe, just gently rise above it. Just see this room, see the hill in which it's on, see where it's located in this city. Now, keep your eye, though, on this little body sitting in this chair. It's in this little room and it's on this little street and this hill and now you're going up and now you see the city of Santa Fe. Notice that how small that little body is. Little body. Now you're going up over the state of New Mexico. You barely see Santa Fe. And now see how little teeny that body is and now you go up even further you see the entire hemisphere can you even pick out the state of New Mexico and you go on out and you see planet after planet after planet and star after star after star And in the magnificent of God's heavens, now look at this little body. How is it possible that this little body could be as harmful as you think it is at times? How could this little body do the devastation that you have at times thought that it could do? How can you possibly feel guilty about what this little teeny body, to see it there sitting there in the chair, this little body, is this the object of consuming guilt Look at the behavior of your friends. Now that you are out there among these beautiful, shining globes and all the heavens, what is the point of spending hour after hour railing against some friend's behavior? It's meaningless. Now come back down, come closer, come back to this beautiful spinning ball of green, vast sparkling blue oceans, this beloved hemisphere, this beloved country, and this state. And now you're coming back down and you're seeing Santa Fe, this little building set on this little hill. Now look at your body. Now look at your body and see how lovingly you can use it. This is not meant to distress you. This is not meant to be a battleground. See how you can use this to make people happy. notice that when you take the little hand of this body and place it on the shoulder of someone that there is the hand of God giving strength and love when you embrace when you are gentle do you see how much happiness this little body can give it's nothing to be afraid of